the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today uh, with a woman that I admire so much that has been doing some great work in the community. Um, We are with Jamie Taylor, who is the founding director of Urban Mentors Network, a grassroots mentoring community focus on empowering East Oakland youth to lead and serve. And and Jamie has been doing this for 19 years, experiencing breakthrough and comfort and mentoring and providing that to youth and families in Oakland and really believes that um, this is an important part of building long-term reciprocal relationships with youth. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being with us. So, um, I have I've had the opportunity to observe your work and and um, uh, take a look at what you've been doing from the sidelines, and and always admired uh, just what you, your heart for the young people and uh, love your pictures that you post on you know social media and some of the youth that you serve are ones that um, uh, just look like they are just having a great time at your events and just really um, getting so much from the mentorships that um, that uh, they're being able to connect with. And so b- before we talk a little bit about Urban Mentors uh, Network, I, I want to talk a little bit about you, Jamie, and just really understand, like, what is your heart? Uh, tell me about your heart for, for the youth of this generation and um, and then, and specifically in East Oakland, and how did that come about? How did how did uh, you become so committed to the young people in East Oakland? Sure. Um, well, I came up to Oakland in 2000 um, to participate in a one-year volunteer program called Mission Year, and they placed me in East Oakland. I was volunteering at Castlemont High School, part of a local church, on a team of volunteers and started to uh, walk alongside East Oakland youth during that year and really just fell in love with the community, fell in love um, with the youth and families I was connecting with, 
and really had a sense, um, an overall peace that I wasn't, um, I wasn't there just to help other people. I was home. That mm. this was the home God had for me. Mm. And, um, and so I got a job doing social work. I worked with foster care youth and families for eight and a half years while I continued to mentor youth just um, on the side. Uh, some other women and I had started a girls group that we did out of our apartment mm-hmm. every Thursday because we wanted to make permanent space in our life for the youth we cared about. Mm. We were in our early 20s, and we knew it would be really easy for life to get the best of us. Yeah. And that um, choosing to make youth a priority, like, has to be intentional. Yes. And we didn't want to just be someone who popped in at kids' games or in their lives. We wanted to create permanent space in our lives for them. And so we started doing that. We did those groups for years out of uh, my apartment while I was doing social work full-time. But while I was doing social work full-time, I really started to also see sometimes how um, funding sources and politics and various things impact programs and impact um, your ability to serve youth effectively and also impact the time frame in which you're able to serve youth. You know, our program would shift funding and you would have to transition off of working with the youth um, who you had asked to trust you, who you had asked to let um, create space in their life and in their heart for you. Mm-hmm. And then you had to leave because the funding source changed. And I was, the longer I did social work, I enjoyed it. I felt like I was doing good work, but I was more in love with what we were doing in the neighborhood organically through real um, reciprocal relationships with youth and families. And so the small group, the one small group evolved into another small group of younger girls. Then as girls um, grew into adulthood, they came back and started helping lead small groups out of my apartment. And then um, we started growing, outgrowing what we were doing on that kind of level. And people were offering us funding and uh, we started to grow the program from what was girls groups into larger co-ed groups focused on leadership and service. And now we serve about 40 to 45 youth every week um, along with their families. And then we have an extended network, network of youth and families that participate in our ongoing community building events throughout the year. Awesome. Oh, yes. That's what I'm talking about. I love this. And so tell me, Jamie, so um, kind of going back a little further, like you, you had come home, you had you had found home when you came to East Oakland. Where are you from originally? I am from the beautiful city of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay, and I knew I heard some Michigan in there. I knew there I heard it. A lot of Michigan in there. <laughs> I was like, this accent is familiar here. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. So you you were on a missions trip, and and you just thought, I, I'm just going to go to different communities, and um, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to explore different communities, and then East Oakland just grabbed your heart, or how did that work? No, I, so I signed up for a year-long, um, it's a year-long service program. It's faith-based, Focus on um, showing up for a year to learn about racism and social justice ah. and poverty while living um, living and serving in the community. Um, and so they choose where they go, and they sent me, they often send you as far away from your own home as they can. And so I got the Oakland. Uh, and was that familiar for you or was that a culture shock? How was that for you? Um, I mean, well, I thought Ann Arbor was a diverse community. It is nowhere near as diverse of a community as the Bay area. Um, mm-hmm. So it was definitely, it was definitely a shift. Um, mm-hmm. I'd always 
um, spent, I'd spent plenty of time in other urban communities, but Oakland is definitely, every city is different, Yeah, you know, and every um, population of people is different. Just yeah. Like, you know, it, the Ann Arbor folks are different from Cal Berkeley folks, you right. know? And oh, so, yeah. Um, but it was different, but it was like, I mean, it didn't take long for me to feel really comfortable and really at peace here. Like it, yeah. it felt like it was meant to be. Um, and I just had a sense like early on, it was a year program, but about three months in, I had this sense of peace that I wasn't going to be saying goodbye. Wow. Um, and, so you really were sent. You, know, you really felt that you yeah. were sent. Well, uh-huh. it's been and a assigned. gift to me. I mean, last, mm-hmm. last night we were celebrating Easter at my house and it was all with friends from the neighborhood who I met. 19 years ago, wow. you know, who in a lot of ways I joke raised me, Yeah, you know, you think you're coming to help, but, um, you quickly get humbled that you don't have as much to offer as you think. And that the real, the real miracles and the real work happens when we all do it together. That's right. Yeah. I was listening to, uh, I was talking to our volunteer coordinator and we were talking about street outreach and, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to do some street outreach this past weekend uh, right before Easter, um, uh, in Hayward and, um, we were just, just discussing how like being present with people, um, that are, you know, being exploited or homeless or drug addicted or whatever it is. Like it's such a huge gift, right. To us. And, um, and one of our, our volunteer coordinator was like the, the gift that I get in being able to be present, uh, with them is more than I could ever give them because, Um, They're sharing their life with me and I get to um, just, you know, love them even for a moment just to um, share a little glimpse of hope. And sometimes even when we're out there, um, the uh, people that we encounter, they actually pray for us, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is ironic when you're encountering a small, you know, like one of the women we were talking to, um, she's like, um, she's got to be like a hundred pounds, little tiny thing out there, uh, you know, on Tennyson and, um, and in the middle of the night and she, you know, and, and I've had women like that say, you guys be careful out here. And there's like Mm -hmm. five of us and there's one little one of her and, And so it's just, um, you know, like you said, it's so humbling uh, to be able to be present um, with with people who would the the world would say um, need help. But in fact, you know, it is us that need to know, um, you know, who they are and be blessed by um, who they are to this world and, and hopefully be as you do so often and so so well love them all the way through whatever trauma, whatever challenge they're experiencing. So, sure. yeah. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what um, you are doing, you know, with the Urban uh, Urban Mentors uh, Network. Um, how do you approach uh, what you do and um, what are some of the outcomes that you've uh, been, been a witness to? So thanks for listening in and we'll be right back with Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. 
Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today and just having a a, a wonderful conversation with Jamie Taylor, who is the founding director of Urban Mentors Network, which is a grassroots mentoring community focused on empowering East Oakland youth to lead and serve. Um, So, Jamie, you've been doing this for 19 years. How long has Urban Mentors Network been in place? So Urban Mentors has been officially an organization since 2009. Okay. Uh-huh. So about yes, 11 sorry. years or 12 years. Yes. Okay, cool. And so tell us a little bit about what, you know, how, what is your mission, right? And, uh, and do you just serve Oakland and, and how do you go about it? Yeah. So we are focused on, I mean, we're a mentoring program, but we are focused on um, creating positive community with and around our youth focus on um, empowering them to lead and serve. Our motto is everybody has something to give. And that's not just our motto. It's kind of the expectation Mm. that um, when everyone shows up, that everyone has something equal to offer and that the adults, while the adults are there to provide loving support, safety and structure, um, the youth's voice is just as much, if not more important than ours. Mm. And that they have just as much um, to share with us and teach us as we have to share with them and teach them. So we're really focused on building long-term reciprocal um, loving relationships. We work with youth ages um, as early as age five, all the way up through early college. Our um, graduating youth often come back to mentor or to help lead. And um, our older teenagers even help lead and mentor the younger youth. So we have weekly groups that operate um, on Wednesdays and Thursdays. One is focused on upper middle school and high school, and the other is focused on lower middle school and elementary age. And they're really focused on building community, exploring who we are, exploring faith, identity, um, and creating a safe place where they can grow and be challenged and also providing opportunities for them to lead and serve both throughout Urban Mentors and in the outside community. And so how many youth have you been able to support uh, over the last 11 years? Oh, Lord, I'm I'm not sure. I'm bad with numbers. Um, I mean, we've definitely, um, over the last several, I mean, 11 years has probably been, I'd say about 75 youth who've come through the program in various forms. Um, Sometimes uh, we also have youth who don't participate in a consistent way. Uh, We have what we call the extended family of youth and parents who help lead and um, help support our community events, yeah. um, but don't come to the weekly groups. And so, um, but on a weekly basis, we have about 40 youth participating in our two uh, mentoring groups. Okay. And um, so it's, we've been really blessed. Oh, so it's ahead. really rich. It's It sounds like the mentoring is just really a rich process where you're walking 
through. It's not just a, a, a weekly meeting. This is no, we're not. We're not a boys and girls club, and we're not like a traditional church youth group. We're really trying to create space for people to do life together. That's awesome. To hash things out. Yeah. Um, to even to come as you are, you know, um, we we have definitely started out as a faith based program, but we also are a very inclusive space. Mm-hmm. So um, folks from various walks of life have gotten really involved in the program. Um, when we were down on volunteers, it was parents and older youth who really stepped in and helped grow our program. So mm-hmm. we have really large parent participation, which is huge. Um, well, and I find that when you're talking to young people, right, um, where you have the most impact is you can't just or anybody who's been through trauma or who's in need, um, just impacting their life is really just that's just solving part of the equation. Right. You got to get with the whole family. Right. The whole community sure. to really um, create that fabric of safety. So it sounds like that's that's what you're doing. Well, absolutely. And I think it's I think often programs are started by people who love kids, Yeah, you know, which I am one of those, but the reality is their parents are their first and most important mentor. Mm. Their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, those are important important pieces of their community and that we all need to be connected with. And we're better for that. Um, Mm. Too many programs don't offer, don't see how much they need um, the input of the family in what they're doing. And, um, our parents and family, extended family members offer so much to the richness of our program. They keep us honest and humble. And often, um, like when we've been low on funds and that, it's our parents who step up and make sure the kids have a healthy meal to eat or make sure we have transportation or make sure things don't fall. You know, it's not some rich donor out there, which I would love to have a few of, but <laughs> we really are a grassroots effort. And that's where the miracles I see take place are in how much we're able to do um, on a tight budget because everyone is invested in bringing what they have to give to the table. Awesome. Awesome. So I heard a couple calls to action here. We need a, a, a donor to just come, come, <laughs> come by East Oakland. Just, just stop by with a check. That's all we need. And then some more parent uh, engagement and, and parent volunteers and, 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 you know, people who are willing to go the long haul with, uh, with uh, Jamie and the, and, and her team. Yes. Um, so just exploring, opening up a little bit more about the people that you serve. Um, would you say a, a large percentage of the young people you serve are in the foster care system? Or are they actually still home with their families? No, most of the, most of the youth are in urban mentors are either with their own family or they are um, staying with extended family. Um, we have seen over the last years a lot of folks becoming um, housing insecure um, due to the impacts of gentrification. Um, that topic comes up almost weekly at groups where mm. we have, you know, we've had families that are living in someone else's living room floor for years at a time because of the housing crisis in Oakland, or we have older youth who are bouncing around from family member to family member because housing has just not been able to be worked out. And um, so that, you know, has definitely become like, I've seen the the at-risk level for our youth definitely increase as the Bay area has quote unquote become more prosperous. Yeah. Isn't that Uh, something? We've had more and more jobs and we, we, we are having less and less, um, success with our young people, unless we're deliberate, right? We, we've got to become intentional. This is something yeah. that I've, 
I've been, you know, kind of out there evangelizing that corporations would come alongside organizations such as yourself and recognize the value that you're providing um, to uh, the community and um, and that you're keeping, you know, hope uh, alive, right, in a place where everything is saying there is no hope. Absolutely. I mean, I know our youth, we were, they were just saying, um, Brother Harry Williams led a workshop with our youth on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and they did a lot of sharing. And it was, you know, it's heartbreaking and inspiring to hear the hope they still have, but also their feelings of feeling like they're being pushed out of their own city. Yeah. And they're wondering what that's going to mean for them as they pursue college and as they pursue trying to become independent adults. And um, you're seeing you're seeing their worries, but also we have our own worries because it does put them at risk. Often um, youth in East Oakland, once they turn 18, the expectation is that they kind of morph into an independent adult right away. And very few 18-year-olds in this world are prepared for that. And then when you think about um, all of the obstacles that are in their way in Oakland caused by gentrification, but also caused, like, you know, human trafficking, mm-hmm. drugs, crime, et cetera, like, it's more, it's important now more than ever that every youth is surrounded with a large community of support, a, support. a large safety right. net of folks, people to notice when they're falling, people to notice when they're missing, notice when... Um, they're giving up or feeling like giving up so that they don't and so that they don't, you know, I mean, one of the things I would say, like, like it is so important if we want to keep youth out of human trafficking, if we want to keep them out of these streets, that they don't just have their parents and their immediate family looking out for them. They really do need, you know, the village. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. Because there comes a time with our young people when they won't listen to mom or dad, even when they're there. And so if there isn't that next layer, you know, that auntie, that grandma, that that uncle layer that's around um, and and a healthy auntie, grandma, uncle that's around, um, then uh, then we you know, we we're going to be looking at a young person that um, becomes that gets tricked uh, into thinking that that exploiter has that thing that they need. Um, that they've always wanted only it's, it'll only be for that night. It won't, la- it won't last. Um, and so, um, uh, you know, again, just, just, uh, really appreciate what you're doing. We're going to take a break. Um, when we talk, a, t- uh, come back, I want to talk a little bit about that cross section of, you know, the mentoring you're doing in East Oakland and some of the, um, other issues like human trafficking that probably have come up over the years and see, you know, what do you see happening there? And um, how are you addressing it? And so when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. 
My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We're in studio today with Jamie Taylor, who's the director of uh, and founding director of Urban Mentors Network in East Oakland. And we're just talking about the various ways in which the this group of loving uh, mentors is engaging with this group of empowered young people there in, in East Oakland. And so, just thinking a little bit more about that, um, Jamie. Um, have you had instances where someone was ensnared in human trafficking or were at you know risk for that? Definitely, I would say at risk. I mean, and on both sides, I think people forget that um, young men don't just wake up one day and say, I want to pimp out a girl. Right. Exactly. You know, that I, I would say every child will find a mentor. It just depends on what type of mentor it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think watching our young men who often are afforded way too much freedom, not enough intentional attention, and watching them struggle to figure out what does it mean to be a man, what does it mean to provide for myself, um, what does it mean to interact with women in a meaningful way when someone hasn't taught me that. Um, You know, so I think that um, all of our youth are always at risk for being, you know, being manipulated into being trafficked or participating on the other side of it. And so we're constantly trying to work on, like, what do healthy relationships look like? What does dignity look like between men and women? What does, um, you know, what does providing for yourself look like? You know, having conversations about all these things. What does being safe look like? What is, you know, how do you deserve to be treated? And how, what do you owe other people when you treat them a certain way? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, these are conversations we're always having, but... You know, when a youth is thirsty for attention and financially vulnerable, yeah, the door is open for someone to step in and show you the wrong path. And I think vulnerability is the key word there, you know, um, that we have to look at. And I often, one of the points that I, that I make when I'm educating communities is, um, you know, just what you said about the young men um, and, and sometimes young ladies um, become exploiters sure. as well. But um, when someone is pulled into exploitation, it's usually there's a methodology to it. And, and if I could break it down, it would say it would be something like actually someone um, puts them up on game about how they can go about doing it. And sometimes it's actually the, a, 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 a woman is actually teaching yep. a young man how to uh, look, how to watch out for her, how to, yep. um, or, or maybe, maybe a young lady, you know, is in school. She's learning from her friends. Like this is a way you can make a little bit of money. And she tells her, her man about this. And the two of them decide they're going to do it, but just like, just for a minute to make X num- amount of money. 
um, and they say that, you know, I'm just, I'm going to do this just for a minute. And what they don't realize is that they allow, well, and if you're thinking, if you're talking spiritually, you're allowing something sure. spiritually to happen in your, in your relationship. Um, and then, you know, you are introducing something in your relationship that just takes on a life of its own. Absolutely. And if you don't stay with that girl or you don't stay with that guy, you then go on knowing you can't unlearn what you've just learned. And so right. if you don't have, you continue to be, you know, impoverished, um, you know, having difficulty, vulnerable from a housing standpoint, if you adopt, uh, adapt, uh, adopt a, um, an addiction of some kind, all of those factors start to play a role in whether you're going to continue with that behavior or not. 100%. Right. And so people don't really like, they just envision like the taken scenario where some like, like really evil people come and they just swoop up on this girl and this is how it happens. But no, it's, it's often more often than not happening to our vulnerable young people that have been introduced to this at just the most insidious time. And it takes on a life of of its own, both for the girl and the boy, no matter what roles they're playing, it's taking on this life of its own that they never wanted. Right. No, and some and sometimes it's um, been embedded gener- generationally into the culture of the community or the culture of a family. Yep. So a youth has been exposed to it little by little from the time they were, you know, born in Oakland. Yeah. So there's little ways that certain things have been normalized that wouldn't be normalized if they hadn't been exposed so early. Um, there's ways that you know, even just how we teach people about regular, you know, how they learn about regular relationships that. Um, make the two not seem so different. Right. And, I mean, molestation or uh, domestic violence, right? Um, just amongst uh, family members can be sure. um, a normalization of inappropriate sexual contact with someone else or inappropriate physicality between two people or a family, right? So then now you're just like, well, you know, this is part of my business. This, These are elements uh, of my business that I need to... Uh, you know, that, I, that I'm familiar with, right? Often, yeah. And I think also, I think, you know, in the 19 years I've been living in East Oakland, I often feel like the message our community experiences from the world is that you don't matter that much. Mm. You know, yep. that uh, you don't matter enough to have adequate schools. You don't matter enough to have job opportunities. You don't matter enough when a police takes your life. You don't matter, you don't matter, you don't matter. Mm. And and to have, and I didn't grow up that way. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Ann Arbor, a, a successful college town, even though we were lower middle class, blue collar folks, the message I felt from the, I didn't feel like the world was telling me that my entire community didn't matter. It was the complete opposite, Yeah. you know? And so, I mean, when you have to unpack that your entire life, wondering like how much do, what is your worth? Yeah. And and, yeah. and that that's not just coming in your day-to-day interactions. It's a, a bigger message. And and now, you know, gentrification says, like, you may have been here when Oakland didn't have nothing, um, and now you don't get to stick around when it does. Right. You know, there's a Oof. whole other message of you not mattering much. Right. And And so it's that big stuff that parents and grandparents are fighting when they're telling their child they're beautiful and they're telling them they're smart and they're trying to tell them to stay in school. Then they're battling social media and Hollywood and the day-to-day of what they see on their way to the school bus and, 
you know, it's deep and it's heavy and it's complicated. Yeah. And it, it's heavy lifting that no one should have to do alone. No. You know, and I think that's kind of Urban Mentors where we feel like we fit in. We are not trying to, we are not saying that parents aren't doing a great job. We are not saying that people aren't trying their best. We are saying, um, let some more folks pitch in. With yeah. Heavy lifting. Let us help you. Yeah. Let us come along. Let us align with you. Right. And what you're yeah, already trying to do. Together. Yeah. 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 I mean, this, that that um, is so troubling. And then the other piece, I actually had this really great conversation with a leader of a of, of prominent um, I won't say the name, but a prominent um, anti-human trafficking organization. And I was just talking about, you know, some of the diversity issues in particular with African-American community, some of the challenges that I um, that are heavy on my heart, especially as technology continues to disrupt markets and um, and really replace the entry level positions that are in our communities. So right. not only are people there's gentr- gentrification because high tech is creating these large salaries in the Bay Area so people can buy. Uh, what was a $200,000 home, now they're offering 400000 And so people are losing their housing because of that. That's one piece. And then people are losing their entry-level positions because technology is taking over. Uh, we no longer need clerks like we needed to. We no longer need right. people to be retail, you know, in, in the store. Um, we don't need people to do a lot of the jobs that they used to have to do because now we have kiosks and um, you know things of that nature. Now we can pay all of our bills through Cash App and through Venmo and through PayPal, so we don't need to come into a billing center um, any longer. And so, greater customer service or greater customer experience. But what are we doing to meet the needs of the young people? Um, you know, housing wise and workforce development wise, and so. Um, you know, one of the challenges that I see um, as well in all of this is that the African-American community is um, is at a very huge disadvantage because of the uh, the um, tearing away of the family unit. Right. The tearing away of the number of people that will say you are beautiful, you are worth, you are valuable because there aren't the all the elements in place in an African-American community like there are in other ethnic groups. Um, And so that's something that we need to, you know, I think we, we, you know, it's important for us to highlight uh, this individual wasn't um, thinking about that when she said, you know, I grew up poor and my family grew up poor. We're farmers. And 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 um, I said, yeah, but you, I bet you you had your mom and dad there in the house and you had grandma nearby and you had auntie nearby and everybody was working together. And she said, no, you're right. So we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. How Urban Mentors is layering in as that family, that extended family that is so essential to each of our youth. We'll be right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. 
Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today speaking with Jamie Taylor, who is the founding director of Urban Mentors Network. And uh, we're just talking about uh, the youth of East Oakland and the mentors that she has uh, sort of... uh, developed to come alongside those young people and just the reciprocal relationship uh, that they share uh, that has just been, it sounds like life-changing for Jamie and the people in her community. And so uh, again, really grateful for you, Jamie, and the work that you're doing. Um, We were just talking in the last segment about um, these disruptions in the housing industry, disruptions in um, in, in tech, uh, that tech is creating and other, you know, transformation of other industries is creating in the work mark in the workforce, um, market. And, um, and then, you know, the, how that mixes with, um, the family makeup of, um, someone who is in East Oakland. And I just pointed out, you know, African-Americans in particular are one of the, uh, one of the groups that are going to be most impacted by those two, um, changes, if you will, the increase in the cost of housing and the decrease in the number of entry level positions that will be open and, uh, in the coming, you know, as it's just, it's not going to stop, right. It's coming. And, right. And so, and then you layer in, this is just something, you know, for because our listening audience may not be aware of this, but, you know, when, um, I'll take, for example, my, my background, you know, uh, as many of you know, I was in foster care. Um, my, my dad was, um, addicted to heroin and crack and a bunch of other drugs when, um, you know, when, when I was a baby and, um, not until now is he stabilized and really able to be a dad to my little brother, but he was not available to any of us when we were growing up. And there are six of us and, um, and, and his whole family was drug addicted, everybody, uh, every, all the family. And so, um, and so when you think about that, you, I basically had no access to a grandmother, to an aunt, to an uncle. They were all drug, you know, on drugs. And that was all that mattered. So when I needed a prom dress, I couldn't call them and say, can you help me get a prom dress? When I needed an escort to a dance, they were not available. And then it left everything on the shoulders of my mom, who was a 19-year-old single mom um, that also came from a very, um, you know, broken background and who were, my mom's white, who were not happy that she had married a black man. So then she was mm-hmm. ostracized for that. So here you have this young, uh, white mother that's raising an interracial child in the Bay area with no one to call out to when we needed things. And this is, this is the scenario that, that, that happens and often, often. And honestly, you know, if it hadn't been for the Lord, 
um, inter- interceding, uh, intervening in my life. And also the fact that I had no learning disabilities and I'm actually quite strong academically. Sure. That helped me a lot. Whereas other people had to work really hard in school, I could do a lot of the stuff in my sleep. That helped me to get through school and helped me to be noticed by teachers. But mm-hmm. many of our young people don't have that. They may have a learning disability. They may have been born um, um, strung out on crack. And now they're having to overcome those traumas. And then our message to them is just like, get it together. Pull, right. pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're 18 now. Try harder. Try harder. It doesn't work like that. And no, they don't have not. any, they don't have those layers of fallback. They don't have that. When, when, when I was a single mom and I was facing, I was living in a, in a condemned building in San Francisco and um, the landlord said, you got to get out. Because I want to re- re- remodel my building. I didn't know what my rights were. And I was afraid. And I did not have anybody to advocate for me. I didn't have an uncle that was in law that I could sure. call and say, hey, is this right? I didn't have a family doctor or a, a doctor that knew somebody in my family that I could go out to and say, hey, this I got this annoying cough and it won't go away for months and months I didn't have that. So this is, and I probably more and more, um, more, um, uh, I would say, I wouldn't say blessed because we're all blessed, but I probably had access to more than many of our young people do just because of the way my brain works, Mm. you know, and, and that I was in on the honor roll and stuff. So people noticed me at school. Imagine if you weren't. It's, it's way too easy for our youth to become invisible Um, or if they are not the shining star, you know, or the diamond in the rough, like, or have complicated behavioral issues to be the, to be um, ignored or managed, but not cared for by teachers and other, you know, other adults in their lives. Um, You know, and I think one thing, we try to instill with our mentors and within the adults in our community is that like that problematic behavior that drives you crazy is exactly why you're here. Right. That's not, you don't let a child push you away because they have challenging attitudes or challenging behaviors or because they're struggling. That's the whole purpose of you being there. And so if you only like to be there when for their aha moments, you don't have no business being there. That's right. And, and um, it should feel hard and it should feel challenging. And some days, you know, I joke, I, I post on Facebook the other day, you know, it's not uncommon for one night a week, you feel like you could do this forever and like God is at work and miracles are happening. And then the very next night you get slammed in the face uh, <laughs> with a, like, like, is, does, does what we're doing even matter? Does it matter? You know, yeah. Are we impacting these youth at all? Like, do, are these youth going to be okay? You know, mm-hmm. like, and all the doubt and worry and anxiety floods in and that's, the real work though. Yes. And that's, you know, that's a real work that parents deal with every day with their children. One day is glorious. The next day is, is impossible. Right. And you, and you get up the next day and you do the best you can. And urban mentors by no means has a perfect model, but I do think one of the benefits of us having more of a team approach to mentoring is that our youth um, have access to folks from their own community and their own culture, but they also have access to folks caring, um, intentional folks from outside their immediate you know, their indigenous neighborhood 
who might be able to provide access or opportunities or connections or wisdom and knowledge that they didn't have in their own circle of support. Yeah. So it's a, you know, we have a fairly diverse group of people providing support. Um, we're especially always in need of more men, but I'm really grateful for the fact that we've developed a team approach because it allows the youth access to so many more, um, so many different adults with different strengths and different um, points of view that, you know, people can fit in where their strengths lie. You know, we got the, the neighborhood mamas who show up and mama you when you need to be mama. Then we got the people who check you when you need to be checked. And mm-hmm. we got the folks who feel more like your big sister um, and or your big brother. And, you know, we all kind of bring what we have to offer to the table. And that's what we, you know, encourage the youth to do as well. But it is, it's important we weren't designed to do this alone, yeah. you know, from a spiritual standpoint, from the way, you know, just, you know, and I think something you said was, was real poignant. Like, I mean, my family had its struggles and it had its this, but I had my mom and my dad mm-hmm. every, like every single night of my life growing up. Yeah. Dinner was on the table at 5 p.m. Every sporting event I was at, even though I was awful at sports, there was one or two parents out there rooting me on like I was a shining star. You know, like, I mean, there was elements there that because our family was intact that, um, you know, that provided a safety net and it provided more consistent attention and more consistent support. And um, a lot of times in society, we point fingers at what families aren't or what families, you know, aren't able to provide instead of really being gracious and understanding how complicated things really are. That's right. And, you know there's not really time, energy, or room for critics to be critical. There's time to do something. There's time to pitch in and there's time to love harder. Um, People like to stand from Facebook or from the background and have a whole lot of opinions about our community or opinions about why people are the way they are or why they didn't do better by their kids or woo, woo, woo. And um, if you haven't walked in their shoes, you don't understand like how complicated it is to thrive in Oakland right now. Yes. And if you want to do, I mean, if you're somebody who really likes to dig into details, do a, do some research on the crack epidemic and the yes. impact that it had on um, African-American mothers and fathers in the 80s. And you will see very clearly that mothers and fathers were incarcerated at an astronomical rate. And Crazy. you may be asking, well, why would the African-American community partake in that, in, uh, you know, in a more in-depth way than any other community? Well, it was being brought into those communities, being sold deliberately into impoverished communities. And you will see that the, the statistics, I mean, um, the mandatory minimums that were being applied uh, to people who were using and selling crack was, I mean, basically generations um, were, were left in, in prison and who raised those kids. Right. So there's just and so the whole generation of people that were raised by grandparents because of the crack epidemic and it's still impacting those communities today. So we do have to to go to break, but um, just giving you a little homework before we go. Um, We're going to come back and we're going to talk about events that are going on in the community and ways that you can support Jamie and her team. Thank you so much for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails. 
where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. We are a listener-supported organization and uh, radio show, and we invite you to go to our website, loveneverfailsus.com forward slash donate to become a member today. We have membership packages as low as $10 a month and and on up to $500 a month if you can uh, 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 come alongside us in that way. We would really appreciate it. I know we've got some stuff going on with you, Jamie. Tell us how we can get involved with Urban Mentors Network. Sure. Well, I mean, we're always looking for new mentors, new volunteers um, to do consistent weekly work, but also um, to pitch in for our events. And we actually have one of our events coming up. It is our big um, annual summer fun run 5K. Um, If you're like me, you'll be walking it. But uh, it is a great opportunity to come out, meet some of our youth and parents, get some fitness going, and help us raise money that will provide summer programming for our youth. Um, our youth aren't going to, you know, two-week-long summer camps this summer or family, uh, big family vacations. And so it's important for us to create opportunities for them to grow and learn over the summer, but also to thrive and have a good time and, you know, do the things that kids do over the summer. So on June 8th, we'll be out at the San Leandro Marina. And if folks want to just Google Urban Mentors 5K or they can find information um, on Facebook, looking up Urban Mentors Network. And we also have a website, urbanmentors.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for being with us, Jamie. We really appreciate you and we'll, we're, we're going to be praying for you and your ministry. Thank, Thank you again. You. We have some other events going on in the community. April 27th at 11 o'clock, we're going to participate in the Not Our Daughters Brunch. I actually will say a few words after a uh, film showing. Uh, Cyan Tell- uh, Taylor Goen is going to be um, uh, highlighting her uh, her piece of work, her piece of art, and I will um, be there to um, support her and speak just following that. And so that's going to be at the Taylor Memorial, um, 1188 12th Street in Oakland. Also on the 5th of May, uh, we have our monthly prayer first um, first Sunday of the month, any time during the day, if you would please agree with us in prayer that we are, to lo- we are here to love our city. So it's a Love My City community prayer. Please join us in that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the 10th of May, we are participating in the Northern Waterfront Put Community to Work event, and that is at the Antioch Community Center. It's from 930 to 3 p.m., um, so please uh, join us on that. 
And uh, also on June the 6th, I'm sorry, six, uh, June the 1st, from 8 to 12, we are participating. We're tabling at the Run We Run Oakland for Our Children event. Um, it is a walk uh, that is going on. So you can register on our website, which is at loveneverfailsus.com forward slash events. Please like our page. It's Love Never Fails. Um, our uh, Love Never Fails fan page specifically. Twitter is Love Never Fails 5. We have an Instagram page. We're also on LinkedIn. So like our pages. It was stay in the loop on what we're doing and uh, uh, if nothing more we just uh, uh, covet your prayers and um, just appreciate you coming to um, uh, these events and even volunteering we'd love to have you come and join us as well so um, if you haven't heard it before uh, either on this line or just in life if you haven't heard this before we want to make sure that you know that you are loved Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.